This is the Day Zero Update for June 7th, 2020. I'm Philippe Odenolfo. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dandra Victoria. And, uh, it's... It's been a week. Um... Yeah. Yeah. To put it one way, uh... It's kind of terrifying and saddening to see the state of affairs. And on the other hand, one, it was inevitable that things were going to get like this. And two... We're starting to see a lot of people who normally wouldn't have been invested in this kind of stuff getting invested. Mm -hmm. And when you get people who wouldn't normally care starting to care, that's when you start to get actual real change happening. Um, I I mention this because uh, I don't know about you guys, but if you like go over to twitch.tv every now and then, uh, you see a bunch of people playing games. That's that's kind of what Twitch does. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, apart from the uh, like streams that were specifically covering like particular esports online events, every single streamer that I saw was talking about this. Mm-hmm. So there's a cultural shift happening, and yep. uh, yeah, it's I think it's going to end up being positive in the long run, but. It's kind of still a painful process to go through. Let's just no. let's be real. Yeah, uh, it is. Mm. But uh, anybody who's been listening to what we've been saying both on this show and on <clears throat> on Let's Weekend knew uh, that this was only a matter of time. It's yeah. just we didn't really realize what the catalyst was going to be. Yeah. And the catalyst ended up igniting something that ended up spreading all over the world. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully we'll start to see some positive change happen. Yeah. Because, uh, for the record, Phil, of course, is in Canada, and uh, they've been having their own uh, series of protests as well. Yeah. In pretty much every major city in the country. Yeah. Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. So, yeah, because yeah. Canada also has its own history of uh, racial discrimination, especially when it comes to the native population. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's all coming out into the open now. That's, mm-hmm. that's that's how you start dealing with it is to first acknowledge it. Yep. Yeah. Whether or not the powers that be will acknowledge it, uh, we'll see. They'll probably end up going kicking and screaming, but they'll end up going. One yeah. Way or the other. And it'll just be our it'll be our uh, job to drag them there. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, I don't want to dwell too much on that because, well, that's what we have last weekend for. But it was worth mm-hmm. mentioning at least at the top of the show. Yeah, right? because it ended up affecting much of the gaming world as well. Uh, yeah, it kind of did. And we'll talk. Well, about I mean, this is normally the busiest news cycle in the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we were expecting to have a lot of uh, announcements to go over this week, and we have approximately none. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so, we'll get to that. But before we do, we'll talk about what we've been playing this week, because apart from following the uh, state of current events, we've probably been doing stuff to distract ourselves a little bit. Uh, and for me, well, I'm still doing you know, PC Building Simulator. They dropped an update, uh, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, added a new workshop to uh, play around in, which is fun. Uh, I keep bumping into the giant liquid nitrogen tank in the middle of the workshop, which... Okay, I, I, I should remember that it's there every now and then, but 
There's those there. And then there's the liquid nitrogen pots that are next to the toaster for some reason. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it's it's an interesting place to be. Uh, nice nice workshop, the Overclockers UK DLC. It's, it's out. I'm expecting that uh, maybe they'll do some more of that, uh, you know, uh, workshops themed after, uh, you know, that one is a particular, they're a system builder, so maybe they'll do stuff like, uh, well, no, not Dell. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants a Dell workshop. Uh, oh. Yeah, but they might do Jay's Two Cents or Gamers Nexus or whoever, one of the bigger uh, tech YouTubers that are oh. particularly interesting. Uh, hmm. Apart from that, I'm still playing Streets of Rage 4. Um, yeah, I still really love that game. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that lifetime score is just still, you know, constantly going up. And yeah, it's uh, still a fun game. I'm it still... gives you something that you're constantly invested in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a good deal of fun. I'm still waiting for the, uh, my physical version to ship. So I'm guessing that'll probably be, well, maybe the end of this month. If all goes well, um, I'm also pondering. Uh, I noticed limited run games have uh, Blaster Master Zero and Blaster Master Zero Two uh, physical editions of, available now. So, yes, interesting. But I might just go to PSN and just get those because I want to play them, but like now and not in three months. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. That's uh, good I, stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't like it was on the Switch for a while, and then it kind of moved to the PC for a little bit and then end up on PS4. So I think that's probably where I'm going to end up playing it. You know, apparently, they're they're pretty solid, the both of them. So uh-huh. I've not had a chance to check them out yet. And uh, apart from that, well, I finally got a MAME full set and I imported that into LaunchBox. Um, that took a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, interestingly, though, LaunchBox does a pretty interesting thing as far as the way it imports. Uh, is that you can kind of selectively decide what you want to want to bring in. Because uh, first of all, you can uh, tend to focus your imports around like what region games to, to bring in. So if you're a fan of Japanese games, you could choose your region as Japan. Or if you want to see uh, North, North American sets only, well, only, but primarily, you can do that. Or if you like the, the world sets or Europe, you can do those. Uh, and then you have a, like a bunch of categories that you could pick from. It's like, well, okay, I don't want to see slot machine games. I don't want to see casino games. I don't want to see tabletop or you know rhythm games or stuff like that. You can decide which ones you want, and which ones you don't. Um, and uh, another thing that it does is it uh, creates uh, playlists for stuff like you know CPS one, CPS two, CPS three, and Capcom classics, and Neo Geo. Cool. And, yeah, it's um, kind of organizes stuff really nicely. Uh, you got p- playlists for genres, so if you want, like, you know, see the arcade racers that uh, are available in MAME, you can just choose that playlist and you see all those. How's that list looking these days? It's, it's <laughs> pretty substantial. Right? It mm. goes everything from uh, Monaco GP up to uh, Daytona 2. Uh, Daytona 2 doesn't oh, run yes. very well, but it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would need Supermodel to run that properly. For some reason, MAME's support of Model 3 is not that great. Um, Weird. But Supermodel is a lot better. Yeah. But it's just because, you know, MAME is a general emulator. Their yeah. main focus is to just get things running, and eventually they'll get things running well, but it's mostly like, well, let's just... But the, the running part is the priority. Yeah. So, <laughs> where I'm at, I mean... So once I got that in there, I just played a bunch of Neo Geo. So 
As you do. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of been it for me. So how about you, Pat? Um, somehow I just found my way to Final Fantasy twelve this week. Um, timely game, I would say. Final Fantasy fourteen retroactively makes it a very good game, a lot better than I f- found it to be when it first came out. Hmm. Just because there are... There are a lot of things in Final Fantasy XIV that directly tie into the events of twelve, mm. And you're basically... I'm not going to say that they take place in the same world, but there's definitely enough proximity there to suggest that you're seeing at least an alternate version of events playing out in fourteen, mm. And, yeah, that... Just going through, and and I could say this for a few Final Fantasy games that um, may not have effect, may not have hit me the same way because I'd already played through them before I before fourteen even came out. But um, I'm going back and playing through twelve now, and just developing a new understanding where all of these elements of fourteen came from, and. That in and of itself has been a lot of fun. And so, um, what? I was like, was wondering what version you're playing. Zodiac Age PS4. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I 14 has given me a very, a very new appreciation of 12, and um, I'm not going to say necessarily it's made 12 one of my favorite games in the series. But I definitely understand it a lot more and enjoy it a lot more because of fourteen. Mm. And even when I'm playing it, I feel like I'm playing a more laid back version of fourteen. Yeah, which it kind of is. So, yeah. but that's really been it for me. But I'm I've been plowing through this game. I'm I passed the forty hour mark this morning, mm. and not really an end in sight. I thought I was in a final dungeon. Because there were status status effects all over the place and behemoths everywhere, it wasn't the final dungeon. So I don't know where it's going now. Mm. So <laughs> that's been it for me. All right. Uh, as for me, I'm still playing Shine S the Lightning Kingdom, and it's probably going to be the main game I'm going to be playing um, until the 19th when you know The Last of Us Part Two comes out. In which case, I will be. Knee deep in that one, um, and and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. One of those games I've been waiting on for a few years now. Um, but uh, so having gone back and playing Shyness now, um, for those who don't know, Shyness is actually one of those games that was like among the first generation of like successful Kickstarter games, um, but. Unfortunately, it came so it came out in 2017, and it's definitely got like the guts of a good game, and it's definitely got like great art direction, and the story's good, and everything, and the universe and the world building, and the gameplay isn't too bad necessarily too bad either, but it's definitely one of those games that shows that you know you can't release a game without going in and doing some serious fine tuning on things here and there because. There are definitely some parts here that shows that, you know, they could have, they needed to go back and 
tighten up a few things. Um, mm. You know, like uh, hit detection is one of them. Um, well, I said hit detection. More like, a, um, well, it's one of those games where if you accidentally jump on a space that you're technically not supposed to be able to stand on, you'll kind of uh, get stuck in the falling animation until you get off of it. Oh. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, occasionally it's uh, it's like design for like overworld design is a little too over complicated. Um, you do like you do get like a map that you use that you get for pretty much every area in the game, and that's fine. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to like trying to track down your like where your next objective is. Uh, game kind of doesn't do a very good job of letting you know, like, on what, on what floor it is, because a lot of these places have, like, multiple levels to them, um, and sometimes you'll go to an area only to find out that you actually have to go to, uh, like, level, you know, you actually have to go to, like, the second or third floor or something like that, um, you know, just stuff like that, basically. It's mm. one of those, you know, and also, like, especially when it comes to, like, the character models. The character models aren't necessarily bad, but, like, the way the uh, light hits them when they're, you know, at a certain angle is very awkward looking. Mm. You know, because the graphics are all cell shaded. And that's fine, but the problem with cell shading is that if the lighting is off, it looks really wonky. Yeah. And Shyness definitely suffers from that issue. Uh, and as for like the actual gameplay, um, it's essentially you know an action RPG type thing. And as far as like the fight is concerned, it's all like based around like you know one on one, you know martial arts fighting, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. Um, and it's actually not not bad at all it's actually pretty intuitive and you can do a lot of like combos and stuff but problem is um sometimes the the sometimes the the action happens so fast that you'll end up getting completely overwhelmed like really fast and this is especially can be a problem when you're in a fight, and like one of your party members is the one that you need in this fight. But before the fight happens and the save point, you know, op, you know, activates itself, um, you're you're now at the point where you can't actually like go back and change them now. Oof. Yeah. Well, that's just bad design. Yeah. Um, other than that. I, I pretty enjoy it. So yeah, it sounds like the kind of game that it would be pretty enjoyable, and you just kind of have to overlook some of the like yeah. rough edges. It, maybe... it reminds me of like some of the like really like the old like sort of like B tier PlayStation and PS2 games hmm. that I used hmm. to really love. Yeah, it's very much like that. Yeah, the only problem um, is, as you said, this came out in 2017, so expectations are a little bit higher than that. So. Yeah, and also, like I said, it was among the first generation of Kickstarter success stories, so... There was some delay, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, if you got a 
PS Now, um, you can uh, actually you can go and get it and download the whole game and play it for yourself. So, you know, give it a shot if you're interested. Uh, I will go ahead and tell you, uh, probably the first hour is the slowest going, but it really picks up after that. But uh, and uh, also I went on a GOG and I got me a copy of the uh, side-scrolling brawler slash action game called Tonight We Riot. Hmm. How is that anyway? Uh, well, it it's a basically you play a worker who has uh, collectivized their working place, and so you've decided you're going to go from city to city, liberating various working places and collectivizing them, and slowly, you know, pushing the capitalist gum out of the out of the city. And basically, how it operates is you are an individual, and as the game goes on, you end up collecting. All these other individ- all these uh, other workers you join you as you keep going, um, and you're essentially acting as a group, um, and you end up going up against you know first like groups of riot police, and then you know they originally show up with like shields and batons, and eventually they show up with uh, rubber bullet guns, and then trucks with uh, you know uh, tear gas and water cannons, and then eventually tanks start showing up and giant robots and yeah, it's that kind of game. <laughs> um, but as for like actual combat, uh, by yourself, uh, you can. As far as I've gotten right now, your main weapons, like against uh, the people you're fighting, it is just your regular fists or Molotov cocktails or bricks. And you know, depending, you know, as you go along, you end up collecting more and more people to join the movement. So you've got like a huge crowd following you. And when you attack, they also attack at the same time. And if you can, the way you can control them is you can kind of move them around like a like a sentient blob, and they will, you know, you get them up next to riot police or whatever, and they will start beating the crap out of them. Hmm. It's uh, it's really, it's both really tongue in cheek and also dead serious. Kind of sounds like a more violent picture at the same time. It is, yeah. It absolutely is. I definitely recommend it. <laughs> if for the pure, if anything else, but for the pure catharsis factor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of timely games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, I've um, had a bit of a rough week. Um, you know, being. An Asian American living in California with all this stuff going on. It's uh, not easy, especially being a community manager for a uh, mobile gaming company. It's like, oh, follow this and that, and you have other opinions and whatnot. So it's been rough. So my gaming has really just been me going through the various motions. Uh, the game that I have the most comfort playing is, of course, going to be Animal Crossing. Um, this month is the uh, it's wedding season. So basically what, you, what we do here is um, you take the... Um, the, the the plane over to Harv's Island, and Harv's Island is basically just this place where you can set up a house with basically unlimited furniture and, for lack of a better thing, just create memes. Um, it's personally not my favorite part of the game, and um, it's not really that popular in the community either. But with this particular event, it's pretty cool because what you're doing is... You're um, setting up uh, wedding photos for this couple in the series, Reese and uh, Cyrus. Mm. And as you'd imagine, it's the Internet. So, you know, they want you to um, pretty much decorate a chapel or decorate um, their 
wedding reception. But mm-hmm. with all the items there are in the game, people are not doing that. They're <laughs> creating magma fields. They're putting them in jail. They're setting up weird voyeurism situations. And uh, yeah, it's um, I'm pretty sure it's not what Nintendo initially wanted, but they also knew that this was going to happen going in. And as a result, uh, you get uh, a new form of currency that you can use to exchange for various wedding items, which are pretty cool for the uh, design part of the game. And uh, yeah, that's been pretty fun. Um, last night, I tried to jump back into Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. And uh, I mentioned last week that I'm uh, currently in the Nappa Vegeta saga. And Goku's back fighting Vegeta, and I can't beat him. Um, so I don't know whether I'm supposed to uh, grind before then, but I did notice that... Goku comes back at level 17 and you're fighting a level 20 Vegeta. And I'm like, okay, I probably do have to grind, which is pretty stupid because there aren't a whole lot of enemies that are really worth your time. And if you decide to grind, it'll probably take longer than you'd probably think. So that's not fun. So I stopped playing that for a little bit. And then I just scrolled through my PSN and uh, Switch offerings and uh, Xbox Live Arcade. And I was like, I don't really want to play anything right now. So I popped in full throttle and that's been pretty chill, but... You know, it's um, again. I'm, I'm just going through the motions until um, June 19th when Last of Us 2 comes out. Um, I might even play the original Last of Us. I don't know, but uh, as far as gaming goes, that's about it. Alrighty. So yeah, kind of a slow week for most of us, but anyways. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, waiting on Chris, and he should be here once he gets back from work in a few minutes. Um, in the meantime, I guess we'll get on with our uh, discussion topic of the week. Uh, and it's uh, ideal E3 announcements if E3 was still happening. <laughs> <laughs> because it isn't. So, yeah, I guess I'll turn this one over to Pat to start us off while we all get our thoughts together. Um, yeah, I, I really went all out with this one. So last year I just kind of had the um, the idealized Project Gotham Racing 5 trailer uh, for an Xbox conference. This time I'm idealizing the Final Fantasy section of a Square Enix conference. And so I see them um, opening up with a franchise-spanning video celebrating every game in the series, uh, maybe show a, a nice 35th anniversary logo for 2022, because that's coming up soon. Um, and that will be relevant to certain announcements that I'm going to be talking about later on in the show. But obviously the first trailer that we're going to be opening up with is Final Fantasy VII, The Unknown Journey. And uh, obviously the follow-up to Final Fantasy VII Remake um, kind of um, just jumping on right where that game left off. And, yeah, because um, remind me, um, at this point... In like the original Final Fantasy VII, you know, you've left Midgar. What is the first thing that you usually end up doing? Going to Calm. Yeah, because um, I think at that point, once the you know Final Fantasy VII, the Unknown remake, the Unknown Journey, that part of the game, it would basically that would be when you actually get up into like the actual overworld. Yes, um, that is the instant you get up into the original overworld, and yeah, Calm is just due southeast of Midgar. Yep. Um, yeah, and I'm just like, can you imagine what, like, that game's version of the Golden Saucer is going to be like? Well, we have it in 14, so yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. going to be that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, based more on the actual Golden Saucer in Final Fantasy VII. 
Yeah, I, I I think it'll be a lot like the one in fourteen. Okay, <laughs> because the one in fourteen is really true to the one in seven. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, the, um, they can kind of tip their hand as to um what the unknown journey is going to entail because I think, um, I would think by E three by an E three that would happen this year, obviously, um we would, you know, culturally speaking from a gaming standpoint, um, we'd pretty much know what was going on with it so they could openly show a trailer. And I think that the target release date for something like this would be holiday 2021. And so um, that would be a really strong way to open up the presser. And then... um, you have Yosuke Matsuda come out for a segment, and he'll introduce Naoki Yoshida as the Final Fantasy brand manager, which is the first one that they've had since Hironobu Sakaguchi left. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea here is to emphasize the importance of a consistent team at the helm of the franchise. Um, actual development teams might rotate a little bit on a game-by-game basis because there are going to be multiple projects in the works at any given time but the main creative minds overseeing each project would remain constant. And so um, the idea here would be to go back to the idea of the franchise returning to the state of being a singular, consistent thought. Um, It would be wrong to imply we're doing this so that we can keep making Final Fantasy VI forever, because that's not what they're trying to do here. Um, but you can draw direct connections from 1 to 2 to 3 to 4, all the way up through 10. And by no means are these all the same game, but they are grounded in a singular thought. And once you started seeing substantial turnover from one game to the next, that consistency went away just as quickly. And this idea would be to fix that. So the focus would also be shifting... Um, from developing individual titles piecemeal to managing Final Fantasy as an overarching, expanding brand. Um, Every Final Fantasy has created fans of the broader series. Um, The hope would be that in the coming years, no matter which game made you a fan or which one you really latched on to, that they would be able to give you something to take you back to where your own personal Final Fantasy journey began. And they would make a point of saying we're targeting 2022, the 35th anniversary as the year that this particular collective truly puts its stamp on the franchise and to give you a much better idea of what to expect from them moving forward. (laughs) And so for this brain trust, I, I have people in um, specific roles, but they would all collectively hold the title of, you know, of a, a core franchise overseer. Um, Naoki Yoshida, Tetsuya Nomura, Nigoro, no- Hiroyuki Ito, Yasumi Matsuno, Masayoshi Soken, um, Natsuko Ishikawa, Bon Ryota, and Yoshinori Kitase. And these guys would all be signed to uh, long-term deals, basically holding them in that role, um, you know, for um, at least 10 years, at least 10 years. Yeah. If not longer, depending on how it works out. And so they would go from that and just introducing these nine people as the, 
the new central team to the next trailer, uh, Final Fantasy XIV Paragons, which would be looking at a July 2021 release. I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure if they're going to have caught up to their usual release cycle by then with everything that's happened, but that's when the next expansion would drop. And I am using the word Paragons as the title for a reason, but I'm not saying that you know it, it could be. The title could still be anything at this point. And they would announce that this is Naoki Yoshida's final release directly over Final Fantasy XIV, with Nobuaki Komoto taking over for the 7.0 cycle. And then Final Fan- announced that Final Fantasy XIV will indeed be moving to the PS5 as of 6.0. But apart from that, don't, don't say anything else. Just show the initial incomplete three to three and a half minute initial reveal trailer and leave the rest for later. And, um, so that's, that's kind of, um, in the rear view. Um, now we can make kind of a bid announcement, final fantasy dimensions coming to all of the things, August, 2020, this is just kind of unfinished business, a console PC port of that mobile classic that has, you know, not gotten off of phones and tablets yet, and by all means should. So um, I think that would be a good indicator of where they'd be going with things moving forward because um, Dimensions is absolutely a classic Final Fantasy right there in the vein of the Super NES years and would not have been the least bit out of place on the Super NES. And so now we can start with my parade of 12 month violations because I did mention that, um, the 35th anniversary would be a focal point. Um, so we'll start off with, um, kind of an unexpected remake, but one that I can really see them doing because the game was terrible, but the concept deserved a lot better. Mm. So a full, um, a full from scratch remake of Final Fantasy 2. And I don't mean remake in the Final Fantasy 7 remake sense. I mean um just making Final Fantasy 2 f- for modern platforms with classic gameplay and everything that just didn't work out in that original release stripped out and replaced. Mm. Um and localized naturally because that yeah. never happened here. Well, no, it did. It, Final Fantasy Origins had it. Um, Dawn of Souls had it on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, there was a standalone release on the PSP. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. but yeah, um, just selected in acknowledgement that it is regarded as the least approachable game in the series and probably the least representative game of those early Final Fantasies. So I think spring 2022 would be a good timetable for it and um, a good opportunity for them to retell a Final Fantasy story uh, from the 80s that really um, kind of the game got in the way of it. Hmm. (laughs) So um, maybe a do-over would really particularly do that game some good. And I can see them really putting a lot of um, a lot of effort into getting it right. Mm-hmm. So spring twenty twenty two for that. 
uh, moving on to summer 2022, Final Fantasy X-3. Mm. All of the things. Mm. They cannot let this story go unfinished. Um, reunite as much of the original Final Fantasy X team as possible under the new committee. Um, obviously, wouldn't be able to show much at this point because um, it would probably just be a, a confirmation announcement here, but also mention that there will be a complete edition for those who haven't played the originals that includes the 10 and 10 2 HD remaster. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of fans who would chomp at the bit for this announcement and for, and for some of them, it would even be the highlight of the show. Mm. So I, um, I really feel like that would be, an important place for them to go in terms of revitalizing the brand and um, sort of taking care of it as an ongoing masterpiece. And then we bring out Yoshida again. Oh, and you, you mentioned, you, you mentioned the concept art that he teased last year um, pertaining to a new next gen project. Mm-hmm. And this is where you point out that unifying final fantasy isn't just about the brand's past. It is absolutely about the future. Cut to a trailer. And you just see a lot of really classic Final Fantasy imagery, but fully modernized, fully, like, the kind of imagery you would expect from Final Fantasy 4 or 5 or 6, but um, really brought up to the level of ninth gen platforms. Hmm. And eventually, um, when they get to a when they cut to a scene of a snow capped mountain region, it slowly zooms in and you can kind of see the, see four adventurers carving their way through the local flora and fauna, trying to clear themselves a path to the summit. And once they get there, you hear one of them say, finally, it feels like it's been forever, but I think we're finally home. And that right as that moment, the series main theme plays. Mm-hmm. We get our first look at the Final Fantasy 16 logo, mm-hmm. and it zooms out, and off in the distance, you can see that castle that was in the concept art. Mm-hmm. And so it immediately cuts to a battle scene uh, that shows the characters actively walking around, kind of like it's Final Fantasy 12, and. The the battle theme is quickly recognizable as one of Sokin's bangers. Like, um, you know you're going to be getting a good soundtrack here. Um, But then you quickly realize that the timers are proper ATB gauges, and combat is stopping for menu navigation whenever a party member gets a turn. And then it just says, Introducing ATB 3.0, Final Fantasy returns to its pen and paper roots. And it's still super active. It's still um, really fast-paced, and um, it has great flow to it. But it gives you a chance to issue individual commands to individual team members every turn. Um, It is positional in nature, and it shows character behavior between turns kind of determined by assigned presets. So um, where formations... In old school Final Fantasy games, kind of just meant uh, you determined who was on the front line and who would be um, picking up the back. Now it determines behavior like do 
do your party members bunch up to um, to try to try and defend it collectively against enemies, or do they want to spread out because they're maybe you've got magicians that you're fighting against that are dropping AOEs on you, uh, things like that, and you can do that all through um, through the the formation menu. Um, but it, it can also be changed on the fly. But the idea here is that we're kind of hybridizing the ATB system, keeping the positional elements that 2.0 introduced in Chrono Trigger, and now we kind of want to add some extra flow to it and some environmental factors and things like that. And, um, and then just the entire... The, the last point they make is that the entire game, for, in, through its development philosophy to its storyline, just has this overarching theme of coming home from a long journey. Hmm. And that would just kind of be the the final thought that, um, that they leave you on. And that is my idealized Square Enix Final Fantasy segment. Hmm. Well, I got the talent in place to do it. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it's, it. It's just the will. That's what we're yeah. <laughs> what We're still a bit curious on. Because um, that ATB3 system that you're proposing sounds pretty much exactly like what I want. Yeah. Um, uh, Setting-wise, I think uh, that, you know, four, six uh, type of setting, you know, the... I get, I guess the steampunk was was okay as far as the, the you know Magitek and whatever. Uh, I I think it's when uh, Final Fantasy went started getting all modern is kind of when it kind of went off the rails for me. That was Nomura. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Was... So you you keep Nomura in the character design role and um, let Nigoro handle, you know. The setting, let Matsuno handle the setting. Um, hmm. I, I think that um, that Nomura's liabilities could be overcome. Because yeah. by everything that I've been seeing from from fourteen, it looks like they're trying to lean heavily into that. So yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you take the the driving minds behind that and put them at the helm of the entire franchise. Hmm. I think you'd be in a very good place. Yeah, it'd be a good return to form. Oh yeah. And you'll notice if you if you go over the list of people that I mentioned, um, it is overwhelmingly um, fourteen and twelve. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So uh, before we move on, uh, hey Chris, he's here. Uh, he just us. Yeah. Yeah, um, fuck construction on the roads. Ooh. They literally close the exit that I use. And don't put the sign that it's closed until after the exit before. Oh, <laughs> so you're stuck. And you get, get so I'm like, oh, i got to go to this completely different route. Mm. That's like an extra 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, uh, you know, I'll give you time to think about your idealized E3 announcements while I kind of go over my own. Uh, all right. So my first one, uh, well, first and only, really, and it would kind of be from Microsoft, and it's kind of taking off on what uh, they've been announcing lately with the backwards compatibility. Um, Because to me, it seems like they're spending an awful lot of time engineering 
the Series X's backwards compatibility. And if they're doing that, it seems to imply that there's going to be more to it than just uh, playing a limited catalog of original Xbox and Xbox 360 titles. Well, it kind of has to. Yeah. Uh, Because, like I said, they're putting a lot of effort into adding stuff like, you know, being able to uncap the frame rate in certain cases. Uh, That, okay. That is no mean feat. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, uh, you know, because on some cases, if you do that, it kind of messes up the whole timing of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, adding stuff like uh, automatic HDR, you know. So if you're going through that effort, it seems to me like, why would you want to do that for just a selection of original Xbox games that may or may not really benefit from it? Um, so I'm imagining, like, a probably Phil Spencer saying... Uh, you know, we made a commitment to backwards compatibility, and we're yeah. going to stand by it. Uh, here's how it works. And you see a trailer show up with an Xbox Series X next to a TV, because it can't be under the TV, because it's yeah. too big. That's not going to be good for the Xbox. Yeah. And then it pans over to a shelf of Xbox 360 and Xbox games, and you got this, you know, 30-something guy walking over and picking up a copy of, you know, Project Gotham Racing 2, and walking over to it, his Xbox Series X, putting the disc in, and then the uh, flubber animation for uh, <laughs> Xbox shows up. Flubber? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what that's what people call it. Uh, so they're and just playing stuff directly off the disc. Uh, or, at mo- or at worst, you know, installing it and getting the benefits there because yeah. you're got you are going to need to do some modification to those files obviously yeah uh so there would be that um but then i'm imagining them going a one step further and it goes over to that shelf again and it pans downwards a little bit and you see a shelf of dreamcast jewel cases Ooh. And he picks up one of those and throws it in his Xbox Series X, and then it plays. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there have been rumors that... Um, For a long time. Yeah, that Sega and Microsoft were working together. Uh, a lot of people want a Dreamcast 2. We're not going to get it. Uh, but adding Dreamcast support to an Xbox Series X, which is more than capable of running it, mm-hmm. wouldn't be too outside the realm of possibility. It's true. Oh. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, for me, that's going to be my idealized, uh, the you know, idealized E3 announcement, a renewal of backwards compatibility. And if they wanted to blow people's minds, well, then they could uh, say, uh, just show show the dude. And throw a copy of Sonic of, Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> that, or you know, picking up a copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga and putting that in. Oh, yeah. Get Saturn in there too. Yeah, I like so it. That would, uh, yeah. So. That would make the uh, Xbox Series X the most backwards compatible console ever. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I count me in. Yeah. Um, so whoever wants to go next, Brandon. I will. Yeah. I'll go. go. Uh, so my idealized E3 announcements would basically come from a couple of my, you know, my uh, my pet developers. I guess you could say. Uh, first would be Bioware. Um, First, uh, ideally, would be showing what they're planning for Anthem 2.0 to basically fix the 
less than perfect launch of the base game, um, showing that, amongst other things, there's a more well-rounded and more involved campaign. Uh, there's more single-player content that doesn't require you to go off with a bunch of strangers. Uh, the, they fix the uh, fine-tuning on the suits, so you're not constantly having to deal with, you know recharging your burnt your your uh, jets and everything um that's sort of part of it um but from bioware there's basically two things i really want to see the first is uh the new dragon age um which we know for a fact they've been working on for yeah. the last couple years and you know it's about time to show something um and I want to, you know, I, j- I just want to see that. Uh, yeah, EA's but, given them time, and that is not like EA. No. Uh, after what happened with Anthem, EA kind of realized, yeah, uh, might be a good idea to sort of back off a little bit and let these people do what they do um, and not, you know, poking our asses into it. Uh, so there are two other things I'd really love to see. From Bioware. The first is, at least for this year, um, the first is a Mass Effect trilogy remaster, uh, which they could totally do. And it's um, in the rumor mill. Yeah. Uh, basically, what I would want is for them to go back and sort of, you know, update some of the graphics, sort of clean it up, uh, sort of, you know, stream, not so much stream, but sort of. Of fix some of the more awkward animations that you know looked, uh, you know looked great, you know in the Xbox 360 and PS3 era, but in this era now they look pretty rather stiff. Um, maybe go and uh, fix some graphical issues, update some graphical points uh, as far as like uh, you know, uh, well, a couple of things. Um, as far as like anatomy is concerned, uh, and uh, being inspired by uh, what happened with uh, you know the the definitive edition of Xenoblade Chronicles with this remaster, they would also they would include, of course, all of the DLC, but they would also include a new sort of mini epilogue that ideally like a mini epilogue campaign that ideally would lead into whatever the next Mass Effect game is. So like it'll sort of be more definitively, you know, talk about what happened to Commander Shepard and, you know, sort of reunite most of the original base crew. Um, You know, Garrus and Tali and Liara and Ashley and all those people. Um. And then I would like to see uh, a possible remaster of Jade Empire. I'd be down with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, That, again, would also have a small mini epilogue that would lead into Jade Empire 2. Because they've got a hell of a... of a... of a franchise here they could be using and they're just ignoring it. Hmm. You know, yeah. Um, Highly underrated game. I'm kind of surprised more people didn't play it. But. Yeah, 
Uh, it was kind of a, I think it was like a late Xbox game. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, we were leading into the Xbox 360, and most people were just, Too you know, right. To notice. Yeah. Because, again, Xbox 360, you know, Mass Effect also came out yep. around that year, too. So it kind of stole a lot of Jade Empire's thunder. Yeah. Um, also, uh, from seeing from uh what's the, what's the um i want to see uh the uh project from the people at archetype entertainment um because a lot of you don't know a lot of the old guard from, from bioware have yeah. yeah have moved there to archetype including drew carpachine and i want to see what projects they've been working on if anything that they can show us uh let's see what else um from CD Projekt Red, uh, I it, and it's probably not going to happen. It's probably the least possible example here, but I would like to be able to see a new game in the Witcher universe where you don't. It mostly revolves around what Siri was doing between, you know, Witcher two and three. Mm-hmm. Um. You could actually you you could mostly play Siri yourself, or you could do a customized character. I'm fine with both. Um, um, let's see what else uh, from Naughty Dog. Uh, one of the things Naughty Dog's always has done for a long time is they have a, a tendency to sort of announce like what pre-announce what a lot of their next game projects are going to be uh, by sort of making small references to them in previous franchises before they move on so like for example uh you know in the jack and daxter series they had little uh references to what would eventually be uncharted um and then in uncharted 3 they had one or two references to what would eventually become the last of us Hmm. i would like them to take one of the things from the last of us and make that their new franchise specifically that comic book series that ellie is really obsessed with I want that to be the next Naughty Dog game. Hmm. Um, and uh, see, is there anything else? That is, uh, that's about all I can think of right now. All right. Um, so uh, yeah, Chris, I, hopefully you've had time to think about it. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Right. Yeah. All right. So. I'll just, uh, I, I didn't really have much prepared for the show, but I went ahead and did a rough outline for what I think or what I would hope would be a uh, Nintendo Direct presentation. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with the red, the logo, the snap of the fingers, and then um, it shows some pan out views of a whole bunch of loop de loops mm-hmm. and um, Sega's logo. So you would think Sonic, but all of a sudden you hear the air guitar and it's, it's Big Blue playing. So, and it ends up being F Zero GX remastered for September 2020. Mm. Um, so that'll go ahead and get the blood pumping from all the fans. And then after that, it's um, another trailer, or, or no, it's just uh, someone from Nintendo talking, and all of a sudden they show Super Mario 3D World for the Switch, mm-hmm. New World. And then at the end, yes. like uh, they show Mario on a coin celebrating his 35th anniversary. So that's where they go ahead and talk about all the re, uh, the remasters for uh, the Mario anniversary stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say they announced Super Mario 3D All-Stars 35th Anniversary Edition, 
which includes Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario Galaxy 2, all in the $60 package for October 2020. And then they show um, a bunch of Japanese guys uh, from Universal Japan talking about uh, Super Nintendo World, uh, and then they waste a bit, of, a bit of time on that. And then they also officially announced that it's coming to Orlando with no planned date. Like, even though it's been known, it was never actually announced, and they, they go ahead and make the announcement here. Hmm. And then they stay casual, um, showing a bunch of, like, Wii-like graphics, and it's eventually a Switch Sports Resort. So it's a Wii Sports Resort just remastered on the Switch, because the Joy-Cons are apparently better than the Wii Motion Plus anyway. Hmm. So that's that. Nothing new. Coming out in August, <clears throat> and it'll be an MSRP of 50 bucks rather than 60 And then uh, this is where... <sighs> This is where I, I go totally crazy. It's not going to happen at all. Um, they show what looks like Breath of the Wild. It's a very anime-like open world. And then all of a sudden, they pan in on a cave. And all of a sudden, the cave is blocked by a big rock. And you see a big hand move the rock out of place. And it zooms out to show that it's Isaac from Golden Sun. Not Link or any of that. And following in the footsteps of... Um, them talking about Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Dragon Quest XI for an extremely long time, because don't get me wrong, I love Dragon Quest, but you don't need to spend 15 minutes talking about it. They do the same thing with Golden Sun for, and the only person excited about, is, about it is me and other Japanese RPG fans. And then, like, the rest of the Nintendo fans are already tuned out. <clears throat> so they pick up the momentum by doing a Smash announcement. Uh, Travis Touchdown will be a playable character as part of the DLC pass. And they also reiterate that No More Heroes 3 is coming in December. And they follow that up with a Bayonetta 3 trailer because, you know, we've never seen her in a while. And then it comes out with Doug Bowser. He, re- he reiterates uh, Nintendo's dedication to their fans, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he wants to go ahead and put his mark on what they've done. So they end the presentation with Mother 3 on Switch, available now. Fuck you, Reggie. Not fuck your Reggie part, but <laughs> that'll break the internet. Yeah, wow, that would break the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that actually would be a pretty damn solid Nintendo Direct. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then people will complain that there's no Zelda or Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> have to, I have to be so optimistic there. Yeah, well, I mean, they have to leave something for people to complain about. Cause... Exactly. Otherwise, what's the point? If you have everything, then you can't <laughs> you can't strive for anything. So. Golden Sun 4, get hype. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why it is that uh, Nintendo has been so reluctant to go back to that franchise. It's it, it almost seems like they just don't want to even acknowledge it exists. Yeah, I mean, you can say that about a lot of other franchises. Mm-hmm. F-Zero included, and that's why I start the show with it. Yeah. All right, so uh, finally, Chris, what do you got? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I think one thing would be getting the train rolling for next gen is uh, Polyphony announcing Gran Turismo 7. Doing the thing that people have been wanting. Because uh, now they got their kind of pipeline going uh, for Gran Turismo Sports. There's no real need to change much what they're doing to make it ready for the next gen. Uh, the car models look fantastic. Uh, it's just a matter of pumping in that content and getting a, a better head start on the framework for that than they had for sport. 
hmm. uh, early on. And of course, it'll come out in a few years anyway. So yeah, might as well announce it now and uh, get people excited because uh, that's the polyphony experience. Ooh. Is uh, get in there early, <laughs> and keep them waiting for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, another, yeah, part think of it, the, another part of the polyphony experience has always been the the prototype release. Mm-hmm. Pretty much done that for uh, every GT game since the last few of them, actually. Except for mm-hmm. well, yeah, Sport even had a prototype come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, let's see. Yeah, one thing that I would really like to happen is uh, getting a, a new Plants vs. Zombies made just for consoles and PC. Mm. None of this mobile shit because they have uh, really kind of they've kind of made it from a franchise that kind of anybody could play anywhere to it's only on mobile. That's all you get. You have to be adhering to the the stuff that you expect on there uh, as far as monetization and all that stuff. It makes something that uh, is more around the framework of the first game, uh, but you know, charge 15, 20 bucks, whatever, for it. Have uh, a lot of the same stuff that's in those games, just none of the, the monetization tied to it that kind of breaks a lot of the progression to it. But, uh, yeah, that would be a big thing that would get me going. Um, yeah, what else would there be? Uh, I think you could get... Uh, I think you get Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Get that mm-hmm. going. It's been four years since they uh, got that game out. Yeah. And I think they're ready to show what they've learned uh, since then. Uh, expand that game some more get more uh, open uh, with it especially with uh, Aloy's abilities Uh, because as you know if you played it you're kind of getting around the world is a mix of just uh, basics of like the Witcher and like Elder Scrolls where you if you're trying to climb up mountains you kind of often are just trying to figure out the geometry that she can stay on Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're kind of jumping from you know point to point. If you can't find the a route that specifically lets you get up up into these other areas, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it'd be a lot more freedom of movement, ability to climb up uh, stuff more readily, and kind of let it be uh, a little bit more freeform uh, compared to what it is, and kind of just have uh, a lot more kind of freedom of ways that you can attack uh, different scenarios and missions. Uh, because generally, right, uh, with the the game that is, it's kind of a lot of uh, uh, you either go stealthy or you go in, you know, setting up uh, stealthy, setting up traps and that kind of stuff to lure uh, the different uh, uh, creatures into it, or just going in, you know, bows blazing, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing, and kind of opening it up with more uh, strategy to it and a lot of stuff like that. That. Uh, kind of lets you, which they already did a lot of that stuff, because you could go into your like uh, radar mode and kind of see like, okay, this part is weak to this, but uh, strong to this, that kind of stuff, and like, okay, I need to stick to these kind of uh, arrows uh, for this encounter, that kind of stuff. But kind of let, let it be a little bit more improvisational in the way you can do it. 
there's definitely a lot there, and especially just being in a in a world that's less constrained by you know data streaming issues. Hmm. Uh, that can be real big as a, a big showcase of like what you can do with open world games next gen, yeah. with the kind of SSD tech that they have. Uh, I think that would be definitely a huge thing, and uh, I think you can cap it off by showing what the uh, the special project that Housemark is working on for them. Mm-hmm. So you know they're working on a next gen game. And oh, it's yeah. most likely to be with Sony. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it won't be an arcade game, but knowing those developers are very talented, and they'll have something interesting to show. Mm. Uh, whatever it is, I, I suspect it's going to be. Some sort of uh, some sort of shooter. That's what they like to do. But uh, be more focused on. I don't know. I don't know what the what to exactly expect out of them. Mm-hmm. The uh, the battle royale was definitely a bit surprising, especially seeing how they kind of fit some of their stylistic uh, and mechanical expertise into what a battle royale was. Uh, it worked out pretty well, just not enough to get whatever funding they needed to actually make that a thing mm-hmm. beyond just the, the tests they were doing. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the, the next thing is for them. Mm. Have we have we hit peak Battle Royale at this point? I hope so. I think we have. We're getting there. We're in like a, a second or third phase of Battle Royale mm. with uh, Warzone and Apex Legends kind of coming in there. But uh, Fortnite is kind of just finding ways to evolve to the point that they just have like a social space now, hmm. which is where they host like the the Travis Scott concert. Uh, supposedly, at some point, Christopher Nolan movie is going to air in there, so you just kind of hang out hang out with friends and not necessarily have to do the the battle royale stuff. And yeah, I've seen what that game is currently, and it's kind of wild. Hmm. Not only have they like introduced a lot of the things that like Apex Legends and uh, Warzone and uh, have added you know like the ability to respawn back into the into the fights uh, uh, pinging stuff for your teammates that kind of stuff hmm. uh, but they have ways of like upgrading your specific uh, weapons that you have if you get the, the resources before you get to a specific point that kind of stuff uh, rather than just having to hope for the luck of the luck of the drops yeah. Uh, for that, so they, yeah, they got. They seem to have plenty of uh, money, time, and resources to keep evolving, trying to find new things to do with that game. Hmm. That still does pretty well. PUBG still puts along <laughs> yeah. uh, as the as the the alternative, <laughs> the paid the paid battle royale game that people play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that keeps finding its own things to do. Though they just added bots into it and people aren't happy about that but I think it's the the big issue with Battle Royales is uh, the wait time to get the ma- matches set up yeah. it could be you know, a few minutes and easy ways to throw in bots yeah. mm-hmm. get like maybe half of what you would have and bots would be the solution you give the, the people that are on the lower end of the skill ceiling to uh, satisfaction of killing stuff even if it's brain dead AI mm. But that would make it easier for them to accomplish their like battle pass yeah. goals of like you know get X amount of kills with this gun. It's like your chances of actually getting kills or shots in in a match it can be few. 
Yeah. So, you know, it makes it more rewarding for the average person, but probably frustrating for the people on the higher ends. Yeah. I mean, Fortnite's but, already doing that. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah, that's the other thing I saw. It's like, oh, trying to figure out, oh, is this bot or not? Uh-huh. Uh, it's probably a bot because it's just Standard breaking man. stuff. <laughs> just looking at this wall, breaking stuff, building it again, breaking it again. It's like, okay, <laughs> sure, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think those would be some cool announcements to see. Yeah. And things we could definitely see at the like the PS5 reveal. Yeah, when that uh, eventually gets uh, reannounced, so it's going to be another yeah. couple. Of, we'll see. All right, so let's get on to uh, the rest of the news of the week. Uh, not a whole hell of a lot of it, but we'll get to what we can. Um, first of all, a uh, big bundle over at Itchio. Uh, yeah, the uh, it's the game bundle for racial justice and equality. Um, five bucks. Gets you uh, over 700 games. Uh, actually, I think it may be closer to 800 at this point. It's 742 right now. I think there's they've got a, a couple hundred more that they're looking to add into it mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, you have to pay extra for that. Yeah. But yeah, the it's selling really well. Their current goal is $2 million. They're at $1.9 right now, so almost there to breaking that current goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like the average contribution is... Uh, Eleven dollars and sixty-two cents. So, people are going a a bit above that. Uh, with the top one being five thousand dollars. Hmm. So yeah, you can kind of put whatever you want. At least five bucks. Mm-hmm. They've got one hundred sixty-five thousand purchases. Yeah, which is a lot. And there's and because it's itch.io, it's got a, a good mix of uh, legit, noteworthy indie games. A lot of smaller stuff. Uh, from smaller devs like hobby games and a lot of like asset packs uh, for people that want to make games as well as mm-hmm. just, uh, other odds and ends like this thing called Desktop Goose, yeah. which is uh, a thing you can run that just has this annoying little goose that just runs around your desktop. Mm. Uh, it will leave like mud prints around because he's a messy asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, will steal your mouse cursor. Mm-hmm. Run away with it, which you can have this thing on while you're playing games. As uh, so they show in the, the YouTube video, uh, like somebody's trying to play Call of Duty, and all of a sudden it just takes it, and they're just spinning constantly because it's in the top left corner of the screen. Uh, that kind of thing. So it's very much a good troll mm. kind of thing, and troll. it's also able to dr- like pull messages onto the screen uh, mm. for you as well, like memes or whatever. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. A lot of legit indie games that people should definitely check out if they have not, like Oxenfree, Night in the Woods. Uh, what else was I looking at? Yeah, I was just looking because I installed a bunch of stuff after I grabbed this. There's Quadrilateral Cowboy, Overland, Loot Rascals, Minutes, Astrologaster, Short Hike, uh, some stuff Brandon would probably like called Tonight We Riot, yeah. which is a described as a look up at the what we're playing. Okay, yeah, it's described as like a leftist game. Totally, is. where uh, yeah, where the uh, you know, a dystopia where wealthy capitalists control elections, media, and the lives of working people. Uh, you know, uh, there's another game called Democratic Socialist Simulator. I have not played yet to see if that's a joking thing or not. Uh, 
Oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff in this in this thing that's uh, definitely worth uh, checking out for people that uh, want to support a good cause. Uh, I think it's going towards uh, the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund and Community Bail Fund split fifty fifty mm-hmm. between those. And yeah, no Steam keys, but uh, if you have the itch.io launcher, you can kind of. Uh, the only problem really is that they don't just add it all to that library on there. You have to specifically click uh, on the list for each game. So you can kind of curate things a little bit if you want. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think the I think their launcher is kind of very bare bones, uh, which is kind of the H.io thing, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of bare bones. Let's let you kind of get to things how you want. Mm. Uh, but it's maybe as uh, user friendly as uh like Steam is yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Something at least. I mean, a lot of value in there and it's for a good cause. Uh, I, yep. I do like that all of these developers are like, yeah, this is, uh, we'll, we'll give up our stuff for uh, a really good, uh, a really good cause. Yeah. We're into that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So cool stuff. Go check that out. Uh, it's going to run for the next, it looks like for the next eight days. So yeah, you have some time while you're hearing this. Uh, to go over to the, the link and uh, get yourself uh, that yeah. little five bucks. Or They're more. already really close to their $2 million goal. Yeah, we'll probably hit it by time. Yeah. Yep. Alrighty, so let's get on to delays. Uh, yeah, we were going to cover the Sony PS5 reveal. Now we're not, because it didn't yeah. happen. So I guess we're covering it still, because it didn't happen. Um, yeah. So that's going to be uh, rescheduled to a time in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not entirely. But for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they didn't say a particular date. So, yeah, when we know, you'll know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valve uh, has delayed their Summer Steam Games Festival, obviously for a good reason, to uh, the uh, 19th of June. So that's going to be pushed off a week. Okay. Uh, I guess if you wanted to uh, see a bunch of Steam <laughs> games and, you know, it's basically their summer sale, let's, let's be honest. So that's going to be uh, delayed. Uh, EA is delayed their EA Play uh, event, which is going to happen uh, this week. They delayed it another week. Yeah. So, though in place of that, they've put a bunch of their games up on Steam. Yeah, uh, but I think that was going to happen anyway. But yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think they're on sale. Uh, Some of them are a good. A few of them are. Yeah. They have, people uh, are like freaking out. It's weird seeing people are freaking out like, oh god, it's the, the, uh, you know, like, I've, I don't know, my brain's <laughs> turned to mush. Yeah. Uh, but like, oh, it's this game that's six years old. It's like, all right, I, I guess yeah, Steam people are hungry for these. Yeah. I was trying to look at the, the top sellers here. For any surprise announcements, I don't even know why EA Play is even a thing. Like, mm. what are what are people wanting? That's true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the the number three game top selling right now is Need for Speed Heat for uh twenty eight bucks. Mm. Mm. Which is a pretty, you know, steep discount considering it came out this no, it was last year at the end of last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. With the MSRP of sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Uh so right. that's already a pretty big discount. Yeah. Mm. Uh well, there's a bunch of people yeah. who have been waiting for it to just show up on Steam because they don't like Origin and then yeah. Course, you're gonna to need to install Origin anyway, so mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, but. it'd be nice if they had a 
a way to bring your origin library to Steam. Mm-hmm. Like in the way a lot of uh, older EA games came with keys that you could install. Mm-hmm. You could redeem on origin to get them on origin for free. Mm. Yep. Uh, but yeah, they're not going to... Yeah, there's not, I don't think there's an easy way to do that in the uh, the reverse way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Command and Conquer Master Collection is number one. Crisis Three is number two. Which, sure, I guess that's the thing you could buy. <laughs> Crisis Three, but Need for Speed Heats Unravels five. Sea of Solitude is six. Dragon Age Inquisition seven. Mirror's Edge Catalyst is mm. eight. It's like, all right, EA, you've owned everything. Yeah, there are a lot of people buying EA games on Steam now for some reason. But yeah. Okay. Uh, well, they got uh, Command & Conquer Remastered coming out later this year, so uh, I'm guessing that's why the Command & Conquer collection is uh, pretty popular. Yeah. yeah. So. It was just weird because I saw the... Because it's fucking Command & Conquer. Hmm. Yeah, I saw the FMV from that stuff. Uh, they could not use the PC FMV because it was like a, a worse codec for that. Yeah. So they had well, to pull it from the, the PS1 version. Yeah, which has that was like a video. Yeah. It's like, all right, that's that's a very weird thing. Yeah, well, just the the irony of having to use the console ports of a PC game for to make a PC remaster much better. And then they're having to upscale that, so there's video artifacts and stuff. Yeah, they had to go like find old tapes. It's like, oh, this tape, we don't know what's on this because it's it's a format we don't have anymore access to. So they sent it off to the one company that could remaster that to 4k. And they found out, Oh, this is just the same thing. that's on the PC disc. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the, the masters nope. version. So it's like, all right, you got a lot of work. You got to go through and waste a little bit of money to find out yeah. what's going on. But it's also what happens when you try to remaster 30 year old games. Yeah. Uh-huh. Especially when you don't bother games. keeping the source materials. So yeah. Yeah. Great job guys. Uh, so there's that. And it's probably also mentioned that EA Access is going to be available through Steam as well. So there you go, if you want to get that. Yeah. Uh, and our last delay, uh, the North American Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest was canceled. Um, indefinitely, I guess. Uh, and uh, the upcoming 5.3 patch, which was supposed to drop in the next couple of weeks, has been pushed out till July. Yeah, that's due to um, a lot of the staff working remotely. Hmm. Um, slowed down the development of the patch. And this was going to be a pretty big patch, too, because they're taking um, pretty much the entire storyline of 2.0 and streamlining it. So uh, I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but in addition to all of the story-related stuff and all the new content they're adding with 5.3, they're also doing that. So I can understand that um, taking a little bit longer. Uh, as far as the fan fest goes, that's kind of a surprise because those are usually um, those are usually later in the year anyway. Mm. But I can see them playing it safe and probably moving all of the fan fest stuff to um, streaming to next year as we get ready for um, for six point That's where we are at with Final Fantasy fourteen currently. And, uh, okay, so we'll move on to uh, Call of Duty. We don't usually talk about Call of Duty. Uh, no. But when they do do something um, kind of right, then uh, we it, we should mention it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they have added uh, to their loading screens, at the very least, uh, some Black Lives Matter messaging. 
given that this is coming from the same company that didn't want to piss off the Chinese, this is kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suspect that, uh, you know, the folks at Infinity Ward probably went and did this on their own and didn't really yeah. give a fuck about what Activision was saying because they're big enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, you, if you uh, look at the link, you'll see what the message is. Uh, given that this is a game that's, well, let's be real here, a lot of... It, do- it doesn't attract the Internet's best and brightest. No. Nope. So now it's right in their face. Uh, and you can imagine what the reaction to this uh, is in some circles. Uh, yes. And it's it's glorious. And uh, yeah, uh, so congratulations to uh, uh, Infinity Ward for, you know, stepping up. Hopefully they're sincere in this and they're going to be uh, taking the time, as I said, to go through uh, and uh, purge yeah. the system of those racist <laughs> usernames because... That's been a problem. In the meantime, yeah. with um, with society largely opening up, they are free to uh, to go to their local pharmacy for butt hurt cream. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's just yeah. Um, like all the two K games took their servers offline for two hours. Yeah. Which uh, you know, great for that community, those communities, because yeah. they were very angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, over not being able to play the games for two hours. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that really helps in any way. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, though I think uh, NBA 2K added Black Lives Matters and uh, uh, I Can't Breathe shirts for people to get for free. Okay. That's yeah. not so the slightest. partner with the NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Uh... So good on them. Uh, this one was going to be the last story, but uh, some other stuff was added. Uh, a remaster of Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning uh, kind of uh-huh. inadvertently found its way onto the Microsoft Store. Oops. Well, yeah. <laughs> there had actually been rumors that this had been happening, that this was being worked on the past few months, and yeah. this just kind of confirmed it. Yeah. So yeah. um, this is a. And then they just revealed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a leak anymore. It's like, yeah, okay, this is happening. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. And it's not a leak. It's an unintentional announcement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good too. If when you do get get a chance to play it, play it because it's, it's a really a good game. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it it, it's, it's it a legit shame had. You know, it's a shame that you know it ended up being. Uh, led and produced by, well, uh, a grossly incompetent G- piece of shit, yes. Yes. Um, and now it's published by THQ Nordic. Who did an AMA on 8chan? Well, yeah. we're not going to forget that. So Also piece of shit behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, make of that what you will. Whether you want to support it or not, we're, we're not going to, uh, you know, point you in one way or the other, but it exists. My question is... Do the original developers, not the owners, but the original developers benefit from this? Because they're the uh, ones who got screwed over. <laughs> nope, of course not. No, because Rhode Island, the state of Rhode Island, took over all the assets. Yeah. Yeah. Licenses for that stuff. Yeah. Yep. So they sold that off to THQ Nordic, I think, last year. And then this is the, the first step of whatever they're doing with that. Yeah. 
okay, possibly, so a, possibly a sequel. So, you know, if it, it could be that uh, the original developers get brought in for a sequel. So it that might would be up, good. Yeah, they might end up. That might be a best them, case yeah. scenario. Yeah. yeah. Uh, R.A. Salvatore did the, you know, wrote the storyline and, well, he's always looking for work. So, yeah. And, you know, Todd McFarlane was the art director and well, he's not really doing anything right now. Yeah. So. Uh, so there we are with that. Uh, it's coming out later this summer. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, next up, EA uh, was kind of detailed their uh, anti-racism plans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for their uh, sports games, especially the NHL series. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, tweeted about that earlier. Yeah, which has uh, uh, covers a sport that is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like when they do get uh, black players in there, I imagine their experience is not the greatest. Yeah, that's uh, actually part of the cultural narrative in hockey right now. Um, yeah, but that. Um, yeah, so the. The, the EASHL stuff, you know, you create your own teams, uniforms, all that stuff. And, yeah, people have taken advantage of uh, not great uh, yeah, filtering systems to create a lot of uh, racist uh, names for players and teams that get around their whatever filters they have. And so they're uh, yeah, I kind of sign on without seeing some bullshit. Yeah, they've uh, mm-hmm. put out a plan here saying that uh, – They've been actively reviewing their term list to ensure their filters set is uh, comprehensive and accounts for various languages, dialects, and slang. Some they will review and expand upon regularly. Uh, they're adding more tools in games, increase the reporting functionality, make it easier, more seamless for players to report toxic behavior as it occurs for our teams to remove the content and offenders. Uh, do the high volume of toxic behavior within some of our games. Uh, they've increased the frequency of reviewing offense, offenses with the goal of acting more quickly to remove it from their games and uh, looking to add more fully dedicated resources to their teams to help tackle the issue. Uh, and the NHL team also posted their own thing here uh, saying that uh, they're taking immediate steps to address uh, the problem of uh, bigotry and racism on their platforms, uh, delivering harsher penalties to anyone with offensive content, bolstering uh, the resources to monitor action on more accounts, strengthening their profanity filters, and are in the process of creating new in-game functionality for future titles that will allow players to report and send any abusive material directly to the team. Yeah. Which seems like a pretty good first step. Yeah. It's kind of a shame that we need it, but that's yeah. where we are. So yep. I'm glad they're starting to take it seriously. And if they're putting this play, this measures in place in one game, it's going to filter out to the other ones. So trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so finally, we'll end on uh, a positive note, I guess. A uh, couple of announcements from Sega. They've revealed their Game Gear Micro, which is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, about 50 bucks for one of these things. Uh, the, the big issue is that it only has four games in it. Mm-hmm. And there are four four models to cover the whole slate they have for it. Uh, so the black one has Sonic the Hedgehog, Puyo Puyo 2, Outrun, and Royal Stone. And that's probably the one that most people are going to end up getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yellow, Yellow has Shining Force Gaiden, uh, Shining Force Gaiden 2, Shining Force Final Conflict, and Nazo Puyo Aruru no Ru. Mm-hmm. 
Mine. And blue has Sonic yep. and Tails, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, and Baku Baku Animal. And then the fourth one is what the really interesting one, but it, yeah. the more I thought about it, the more it made sense because Sega did buy Atlas. Hmm. Yeah, the red one has Mega Ten uh, Mega Gaiden Last Bible, Mega Ten Gaiden Last Bible Special, the GG Shinobi, and Columns. Hmm. So and you've got so, Shinobi, Columns, and a pair of Shin Megami Tensei games. Yeah, hmm. and so yeah, effectively, if you're looking to buy. Uh, all of them, it's going to be like 200 bucks. They're also going to have a package with all four of them together for about 250 with some extra stuff in that. Including I a glass. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, okay, I guess. Mm. That's a weird thing. It harkens back to the weird shit that they had for like the Game Boy. It was a big magnifying screen for it. Yeah. And lights and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the screen is only 1.15 inches diagonally. Mm. Which is... A little bit more than half of what the the Game Boy Micro was, mm. which is already too small. Oh, that's so yeah, they have text-heavy games. Yeah, yeah, on at least one of these Shining Force games, games, Shin Megami Tensei games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not the greatest idea. I, it's weird that the they have this device that's. It's still pretty expensive, but only can hold four games. Yeah. They can't get the storage to hold more, or they don't want to use it for that much. Yeah, or maybe they're leaving room for people to hack it. They're just being I guess. about yeah. it. At least they'll look crisp. <laughs> but it's like, why don't you just get a a PSP or Vita and put all those damn games on it then that way, much mm-hmm. cheaper. But yeah. That's that's weird. Uh, I yeah, it's not announced weird. outside of Japan, really. So yeah, we're probably not going to get it. But still. you're going to be uh, go out of your way to get one of these things mm. or four of these things. Yeah, well, I'm sure somebody will import it for you if you really want it. Yeah, yeah. There's Amazon JP. If uh, if it's sold on there, you can get it here. So yeah, yeah. So and my that. Japanese is not good enough for <laughs> the import of this. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and the the other announcement was they uh, revealed their Fog arcade platform, which is well, yeah. Now this this is worth mentioning specifically because this was the Famitsu rumor mm-hmm. that everyone was um, pissing and shitting themselves over. Oh my God, it's the Dreamcast two. Mm-hmm. No, this is what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's like all the way to like Microsoft's buying Sega. They're just going to call it the Sega Series X or whatever. It's like, what? How stupid are you people? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're calling this Fog Gaming. Not Cloud Gaming. I guess it's supposedly different in some way. Yeah, um, Fog is localized. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, this uh, it's, it's it kind of... revolutionary for arcades. Mm. Yeah, it helps tie in arcade machines to be able to kind of stream games to them. Mm. Uh, and potentially have access to that stuff maybe at home as well. Hmm. Uh, which would make sense like in this time when people aren't going to the arcades uh, as much with the lockdowns and all that going on. Yeah. Uh, it definitely fits within Japan, especially Japan being a very small country. Hmm. There's not as much uh, distance to cover with networking for that kind of stuff like you would here in this in the U.S., 
covering thousands of miles of uh, space for that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of just enough information. You're like what, but not enough that you're like, okay, I don't know what the use case is for this just yeah. yet. I want to hear more. I, I'm very interested in the technology here because, uh, I mean, digital distribution for arcades has been around for years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, well, Nessica Live and there's been a couple yeah, of that other services. Nessica Live is kind of the yeah. the prime example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of wondering how this you know, would d- be different than that. Uh, or, yeah, maybe there's a, a local server and then the the... The games are streamed to the machines that way. Uh, yeah. A lot of unanswered questions, and I'm intrigued yeah, the, enough to follow up on this. Yeah, so here's Sega's the... We use arcades in Japan as the technical backbone. CPUs and GPUs housed in arcade machines are mentioned specifically. Uh, Ultra-low latency is touted. And the mm. commercial idea is to use arcades outside business hours. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, this sounds very different than what I into originally thought. This this kind of <laughs> sounds like it's for the reverse. Rather than streaming to, it's streaming from. Yeah. That would be interesting for home players to be able to stream mm-hmm. from the arcade. Mm-hmm. Or to your phone. Especially right now. Yeah. So, yeah. You can uh, buy Sega tokens to use on the machines. Yeah. Uh, that in itself, I don't think is new. I think they've been able to do. No. It. So, yeah, uh, I'm probably going to follow up on this because this is very intriguing to me. <laughs> I like yeah. arcade stuff. It's just technology like that is just fascinating. Yeah, kind of weird that this got touted as like, oh, it's a scoop on the level of the the PS5 reveal and Wired. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. It's like that is a very different. I don't know what it was like in Japan for Famitsu looking at this hmm. for the person there that was mentioning this stuff, but it's like, okay, this, uh, you got people thinking completely different than what this actually is. Yeah. <laughs> Might be because arcades are that big still in Japan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But... And they're hurting right now because nobody can go. Yeah. Mm. So, of course, yeah, the solution is uh, an entirely new infrastructure. I'm not entirely sure how effective that's going to be, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. But, yeah. So I guess that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Bit of a slow week, but we got through it. So if you haven't subscribed to the show, uh, be sure you do that at uh, anchor.fm slash Update. Uh, you can uh, hit the subscribe button and get the show delivered directly to your device. Uh, you can also check us out at smashpad.com. Yeah, we have text stuff there that you can read with your eyeballs. Uh, so for uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, Chris Ologi, and Dan Rip Victorio, I have been Filippo Donolfo, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>